0: Today on the Driving Improvement Podcast, my guest is Matt Finarelli, a professional chef and author who has a true passion for people and cooking. I know this because Matt's been in my kitchen at least half a dozen times, sharing his gift for preparing truly amazing cuisine. To create his business, which is teaching others to love to cook, Matt had to take a dramatic leap that so many people are unwilling to make, quit a successful career, and embrace risk and uncertainty in order to achieve a dream. Matt now lives the life he wanted, teaching others to cook, and creating more joy in their lives as a result. Today, we examine his love of the culinary arts, discuss the plunge into starting his own business, and why teaching is his personal pathway to happiness. It's the Driving Improvement Podcast with Mark Russo, right now. Well, welcome in, everybody, to the Driving Improvement Podcast. And I'm super happy to have Matt Finarelli with me. Matt, good to see you. How have you been, my friend?
1: I've been wonderful. How about yourself? Long time no see, huh? Yeah,
0: (laughs) I know. It feels like, with, uh, you know, in case uh, anybody listens to this at a different time, obviously, we're doing this in quarantine time. So lots of extra time available. But uh, it seems like eons ago that you were uh, at our house. Uh, whipping up something special uh, in the kitchen man but uh, have you uh, have you been able to uh, you know pick up your your tools as, as much as you would like in the kitchen with all this stuff going on
1: yeah you know I've had the ability to uh, test out some other recipes uh, in my time off uh, like everybody else uh, definitely working a lot of sourdough and a lot of bread making <laughs> uh, in this uh in this uh, Time, you know, when you get, you know, time plus pressure, uh, a lot of people turn to bread making and that's uh, mm-hmm. definitely something I've, I've done a lot of, but uh, also testing out recipes for the, uh, the Ani spices, the uh, pressure cooker spice company that I'm trying to launch, uh, you know, testing out those recipes. It gives me a lot of time to work on those too.
0: Yeah. We'll make sure we, we, we hit on that too. Um, sure. So, you know, when you're home, you know, normally in normal times, are you doing all the cooking at home?
1: Yes, absolutely. Uh, my wife, uh, married a chef specifically, so she would never have to cook again. And <laughs> so, yeah, I do all the cooking and, uh, you know, we all have different styles. I got a six-year-old daughter who eats like a six-year-old. I've got a vegetarian wife. Uh, I've got, you know, me who eats anything. So some nights I'm making three different dinners, just, uh, you know out of one out of necessity and two out of you know keeps my skills sharp to uh try to make three things happen simultaneously Uh
0: well you're used to juggling then for sure it's (laughs) it's something native to you so let's talk a little bit about it you know about being in the kitchen was was cooking a part of uh, your childhood you know as you grew up or did you discover it on your own as you know as you got older
1: no, it was definitely a part of my childhood. Uh, growing up, my mom cooked uh, most every night. Uh, she had a full-time job and she'd still come home every night and uh, cook dinner for the family. And I always was amazed by it and always wanted to get participating in the cooking process. Uh, so she taught me a ton of cooking from a very early age. And uh, when she was in college, she was a chemistry major, so she taught me cooking as applied chemistry, mm-hmm. not as like an art form, not as like, you know, this is the creative things that we build, but rather, you know, this, these are the techniques. This is what happens when you apply heat to this food, and here's the chemistry and physics behind it, and that's how I learned how to cook, and I always loved it. And, you know, finding a career as a chef came later, but the concept of being a cook, you know, always wanting to cook good food is something I've had my entire life.
0: And and that's, you know, for somebody, you know, like me, who is, is a little bit challenged in the kitchen you know, I talked to, you know, my wife and she loves to cook. And, you know, know, I feel like some people who don't, um, have that love maybe view it as, you know, you work a full-time job and you come home and you, and you want to cook, they view it as like, gosh, why would you want to do all that work? But there's right. something about it that is special to those who love it. What What is it that is just <laughs> draws people in to want to do it past their day job and, and, you know, be in the kitchen long hours?
1: For me, you know, being having a love of food, there is that element of creating something I love. But it, that's not enough. Um, I t- to that end, when I'm alone by myself and in the, you know, let's say uh, my wife and daughter were off somewhere, like, you know, with her parents or something, and I'm alone, I don't cook. Um, because mm. cooking for me is sharing. Okay, cooking for me is something that's an extroverted activity. Uh, it's something that you do to share with others, you bring people in with your cooking and share that wealth. So, you know, at the end of a long day, the only thing I would want to do is be with family and friends and share with them. And there's no better way, in my opinion, to do that than through cooking. And that was that even before I was a chef, that has just a natural thing that I always did uh, because it's how I feel about uh, the joy of friendship and family.
0: Yeah. So in in my business too, I mean, there's there's always uh, mentors along the way who sort of Mm -hmm. help guide you, help. Uh, you expand your knowledge base. You mentioned your mom as as you know, kind of the starting mm-hmm. point. What early mentors were there that sort of helped stoke that fire for you uh, for cooking?
1: Well, definitely, definitely my mother and my grandmother as well. Uh, so my father's mother, uh, you know, had that traditional Italian style that. You know, she always had some fantastic, uh, you know, macaroni and gravy as she would call Mm. it. Uh, You know, the pasta with the sauce, and it was just, God, it was always so good uh, to be eating at grandma's house, and that led to my love of being Italian, and then my searching Italian food, and then regional Italian food, and it sort of spun out of control on its own. I didn't really find mentors per se until I started going to culinary school. And working in kitchens, and I didn't start doing that until I was about thirty, believe it or not. So I was a lot of self-teaching and you know learning just from family. And then it was uh, once I got into those levels, uh, you know, some some early culinary school instructors who I'm still friends with today, and uh, some chefs that I worked with who just I, I got very lucky, and they were all pointing me in the right direction at each step of the way as I was hitting the ropes.
0: Yeah. And, and that's something that I wanted to to, to talk a little bit about too, Matt, because, you know, your, you know, your decision while, I, while I didn't change careers, I changed paths within my career and quit a good job to start my right. instruction business and do what I really wanted to do. And that, that is one of the things that I definitely wanted to hit on was, you know, talk a little bit about the, your career trajectory from, you know, oh, sure. before you switched over, like you did a massive pivot from another <laughs> career and you know, did what you wanted to do. Talk a little bit about, you know, where you were from the start and when you decided to jump and did it scare you?
1: Oh, sure. Absolutely. So I went to college at uh, Duke University and uh, majored in environmental science and public policy. And I put that degree to good work. I worked for World Wildlife Fund, uh, the other WWF, as we (laughs) like to say. Uh, I worked for them for uh, eight years um, and loved it. I, I, you know, I, very serious environmentalist. And I loved uh, my work with such a great organization for all those years, but it was actually one of the more random things. I ended up teaching a small little adult education cooking class for Fairfax County. Um, It's a long story how that came about, but long story short, they needed someone to teach an Italian cooking class and I'd been cooking Italian food all my life. So I'm like, yeah, sure. I, I can teach some people the basics of Italian cooking. Why not? And I yeah, I didn't have a degree. I wasn't a chef. I was just, you know, showing some other people what I knew, and we were having a blast. And it was a ton of work for zero money. Uh, I mean, because they pay next to nothing for the, you know, it's practically volunteer work, and it's fine. I'm not not knocking them. It's just it was something that I was loving, and I loved it so much. I was like, you know, maybe I should explore this a little more and go to culinary school. So I started going to culinary school at night. I did that for two years. Uh, I was top of my class, and. Absolutely adored it, and so I quit my entire career at World Wildlife Fund to start out in kitchens. Uh, You know, at the bottom. uh, You know, I had a, I had benefits, I had a salary, I had all that, and I left it all for eleven dollars an hour. Uh, You know, hoping for a little over forty hours a week uh, in any given week to um, to make it happen, and just start clawing my way kitchen by kitchen up to uh, up to the top. And the interesting thing was I then did the career pivot thing. Like you were talking about once I got to a level where I was actually offered an executive chefship of a restaurant, uh, you know, they are, the executive chef at the place that I was at was leaving. And they're like, Hey, do you want the job? And I thought to myself, you know, I, I had started teaching again in this job. And I was like, you know, it's the teaching that extroverted thing. Like I said, you know, food is about sharing when you're a chef in a kitchen, you're not sharing your food to the same degree because you never see the people eat it really. Right. Mm-hmm. When I'm teaching, I would see people create with me, and I'd create with them, and I'd get to see them eat and talk about what they'd done, and they were so excited, and I was so excited, and I said, "Okay, I'm going to pivot, and now I'm going to start a new business where I'm a culinary instructor, where I go to people's homes and teach cooking classes in their homes." And that's how you and I got to know each other uh, through that mm-hmm. business. Right. And that's that is something I did about about ten years ago now, and I've never looked back. Uh, it has been. This, I love, love, love what I do. And I, I love being my own boss. I love that I'm doing cooking in the exact way that I love to do it. And I feel it is the kind of cooking that brings out the best passion uh, for the job for me. I, I love working with and teaching others. Um, and I just, I, I know I'm in absolutely the right career. So
0: when you're teaching people on a one on one basis or in a group setting, uh, which, mm-hmm. you know, I do both of, I'm just curious, you know, what what challenges do you find uh, you, you run into with students? You know, from my perspective, uh, we talk in our business a lot about uh, expectations and and uh, people, mm-hmm. uh, you know, thinking they can do x when they've got a first start <laughs> at you know a b and c you know uh, what do you do you do you even have like a uh, you know uh, preferences or a a way or a method that you like to go through when you work with somebody to make sure you're hitting all the bases and sort of gradually building them up to where they can be very proficient. What's the what's the process like yeah. for you when you work with people? I've seen you in a group setting, obviously, multiple times. But you know, for the listeners who have not, and hopefully they will soon, um, you know, mm-hmm. kind of walk us through that a little bit.
1: Sure. Uh, this is a, it's an interesting thing. When I started this business out, that was what you're exactly what you're describing was one of the challenges that I really had to think about, and I was struggling with it at first. I was really sort of nervous, like when I go in there with my equipment and the food and everything. How do I know what level they're at? Um, you know, I was thinking like maybe I had to give them a survey before I showed up to ask them, you know, what kind of level they were at and so forth. And what I what I discovered over time was is that you can sort of feel it on the fly when you arrive. Um, it's you start the class. I start the class at the beginning. You know, with any you know I know what they want. We all, we've all discussed what the menu is going to be, and I start to see where they are as far as talent level. And and usually they, they say something like, Oh, you know, we used to run a bed and breakfast. I'm like, aha. Yeah. These people have a clue how to use a knife. I'm sure. So we don't have to start there. And then other people, they'll just come right out and say like, man, I don't even know, you know, I know nothing. Can you come on over and just show us the basics? And that helps, you know, to know that, but I soon find where they are. And I always try to gear the class on the fly to match the overall, uh, level, of. The class, but that being said, even within a class, you know, like uh, there are people sometimes who are very talented cooks, and then in the same class there are people who are very not talented cooks. And what I try to do is I try to gear the class in such a way that everybody gets something that pushes their abilities a little bit. Um, you know, it's 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 funny to find how there are you know people who are have been running a bed and breakfast, but they are friends with people who don't know how to turn on an oven. And then they come together in a class and you're like, okay, I've got to talk like this to these people. And I've got to talk like that to those people. So as to make sure that everyone comes out in a way that they have, I always say, I want everyone to get one light bulb moment per class. Everyone goes, oh, that's how you do that. And that light bulb moment is going to be different for everyone. And I try to make sure that everyone gets just one of those moments where they're like, and I mean, and for the novices, it's usually like within the first five minutes, I say something, they're like, oh, you're kidding. And I'm like, Oh, good night, everybody. I'm done. Fantastic. <laughs> That's perfect. They, yeah. I try to, I try to hit everybody at least once with a moment that they feel like they got their money's worth because they're like, I always wondered how to do that. Thank you. My God, you explained that to me. And by the way, nine times out of 10, it's teaching them how to cut an onion properly. Uh, when I show them that they're like, oh, you've got to be kidding. That's how it's done. I'm like, yep, that's, that's how it's done. <laughs> that's cool. So, um, let's talk a little
0: bit about, um, the actual cooking that you do. Um, mm-hmm. when you've, you know, when you've, and I'll put this in quotation marks if people are listening to this and that's seeing. but when you <laughs> fail at a new dish or a cuisine, <laughs> is there is there a hesitation to try again or do you sort of grit your teeth and bear down and say, all right, I'm going to get this right no matter what? Uh, cause a lot of what I, you know, I reason, one of the reasons I'm doing this too is just so people understand that it's not a straight line to becoming good at what you do yeah. oh, or God. becoming better at golf. And most of them understand that in the context of what they do for a living, it's hard to get them to get it un- understand it in the context of a hobby like golf. They, they want it yeah. quick now fast, you know, why can't I get this? And obviously it's just not a straight line. So when you fail on, on a dish or, you know, something doesn't go the way you want it, you know, how does that go?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, let me just say, you know, when you, when I think about me hitting a golf ball, the word straight line never applies to, uh, (laughs) to that. So yeah, yeah, exactly what you're saying. Um, When I fail at a dish and I do, I still do to this day. I mean, I want to make sure we're crystal clear. I've been a professional chef for a while now Mm -hmm. and I have turned out, I still turn out some real stinkers. Um, If it's a new cuisine that only motivates me more to try harder because I know like, I know this cuisine. The reason I'm even trying this cuisine is because I know it's good. Uh, the one that I comes to mind right off the bat, when I first was trying Ethiopian, I wasn't getting it right. Um, I love Ethiopian food. I know Ethiopian food is fantastic. But when I was learning Ethiopian food, I was making mistakes early on. And it took a few practices to really get uh, my Ethiopian cuisine where I wanted it. Now, that's like for an entire cuisine for a dish. Sometimes, you know, I'll see a dish and I'll look at it. And I'm like, well, wow, that's something different and new. I wonder if that'll work. And sometimes I try it and I'm like, okay, no, this just, you know, the whole concept of this is mm-hmm. trash. I'm going to throw that out and not try anymore with that one specific dish. But in general, uh, the, the main answer to your question is if there's a mistake, it definitely motivates me to rewrite, re-edit, figure out where the mistakes were, try again later. Uh, you know, and it's, Tons of note-taking. I tell people that the reason why I give everybody a copy of every single recipe when we come to a class, I give it to them on paper. It's, it is paper that you can write notes on and there's room for it uh, with pencil. So please, I tell people, take notes, edit it. Nothing here is carved in stone because this recipe even is made the way I like it. When you take it after I leave, you're going to do things differently. And take notes of those things and change those things. I'm not going to come to your house and be like, hey, what the hell are you doing in there with my recipes? I want you to have your experience to make the food the way you like it. So change and adaptation and finding the exact right recipe that works for you is what cooking's all about. If if you give up after for every failure, man, you're done in no time.
0: Mm. So I I like what you said there too, Matt, like you're giving them, you're sort of, and I like this too, because I kind of liken it to some of the lessons. It's, I'll ask students to repeat back to me what I'm telling them and Mm. I'll say to them, look, we can have our own language for what we're trying to improve upon here. But what you were saying there about writing their notes and adding to it in their own way, you know, sort Mm -hmm. of gives them an ownership of it uh, and helps them, I think, probably Love it more, understand it more, maybe make it almost easier for them to follow the recipe because it's a little bit more of their own uh, input yeah. into it. I thought that I think that's interesting. Uh, you're not hardcore about you got to stick to this. No. It's all about modify it the way you want within a the basis of of the recipe. Is that accurate?
1: sure. and and you feel free to do something. Completely different with it. Like if if I my adaptation for tiramisu is that I put raspberries in the middle layer of my tiramisu. That's not traditional. That's not that's something I discovered, and most people love it about my tiramisu. But if I hadn't thought to go in that direction and make it my own, that's great. Now, a traditional Italian pastry chef would be like, you know, what the hell are you doing, man? You know, that's not tiramisu. <laughs> but it makes me happy. It makes yeah. my customers happy what's wrong with that why is that wrong uh, is is it no longer tiramisu okay fine i'll call it something else i'll call it just you know darn good darn good pudding but it's it the concept is is that i want you to take an ownership of it cuz i you then if after my class the next time you're likely to make all the dishes that we made together in the class is probably a week later right cuz people don't want to make the exact same thing the very next night so if you're going a week later you better have taken some notes cuz man i ain't there i'm at someone else's house and you know i'm not the turkey hotline you can't just call me up and expect me to you know help you out right there on the fly so take notes make it your own and do whatever you want within that because ultimately what i want you to get from the class is that you've learned something and you're happy with the results that are yours because you're going to have to make it yours in your own way. And if that means writing it down a different way or making some kind of adaptation um, I'm there to help during the class to show you everything I can and I'll answer follow-up emails and things like that. But ultimately when it comes time to cook the food, I ain't ain't there. (laughs) and So you better have it, you know, in a way you like it.
0: Oh, that's perfect because I, you know, I'll say that to to students too. So it's you know, look, you've got to understand what we're doing because I'm not going to be at the range with you doing your practice. And sure. I also like what you said there too about, uh, you know, letting them uh, improvise and do it their way a little bit more too. Because in a way, I, I kind of my mind went to teaching students sometimes in golf for my golfers who are listening. It's it's not always about doing it by the book by, if we'll mm-hmm. use your vernacular, you know, by the exact recipe, skill is developed by trying different things, trying to make the ball c- turn different ways and do some different things with it. It gives you a better mm-hmm. sense of a baseline and, and gives you more skill as an overall. So I think in a way, what you're saying too, is if you experiment and, and mess around with it, your overall skill at cooking will probably improve. And who, who knows, mm-hmm. you might come up with something really good in the end.
1: Right and and exactly. I mean, you never know when the next great discovery is going to accident, and almost always found by accident. You know, there are there there are parameters we work within. Like you know, there's a right way and a wrong way to hold a knife. Uh, There's a right way and a wrong way to use a knife. There's a right way and a wrong way to saute things. But we can. There are. There's wiggle room. And what my job is to teach people is: what do you really? you know, that's the stuff you should lock in as good technique. And then here's where you can also wiggle around. I mean, I'm sure in golf, it's like, you know, yeah, you could find a way to putt the ball that is comfortable for you, but you can't lay down on the grass and like, shoot it like a pool cue. You know, that's just, yeah, that's innovative and different, but it ain't going to work. Yeah. Uh, Similarly. I mean, if you turn the pan upside down and start cooking, yeah, it ain't going to work, man. So yeah, it's innovative and different, but there's limits to that. And that's what I try to teach people. It's like, here's like the broad range of, what you got to know, working within that, we have some wiggle room. And that's what I try to teach as adaptations and ideas with the recipes so that people can be comfortable within those realms.
0: So we're talking a little bit, you know, or more than a little bit, even about, about failure and using it as a, as a, as a weapon to become better. So, and, and I sometimes have to demonstrate in front of my students often. And I've, Mm -hmm. I've, I've uh, laid the thought <laughs> over it, uh, or hodseled a few off the neck of the club a few times. So, have you ever failed in front of your students? Or, oh, in your oh my god, you got any good stories on that?
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, here, I, I want to preface this a little bit. And one of the true joys of my job is that if something goes wrong in the cooking class, the students are always so click- quick to blame themselves. <laughs> and I'm like, yep, that yeah, must have been something you did. <laughs> Yeah, But no, seriously, seriously, I had a, oh man, I had a a class I went to and I had a lemon tart that I mean, it did not set. I mean, we took that thing out of the oven and it was a pie crust with like lemonade in it. It, I mean, this was just, you know, forget this thing. It was such a nightmare how everything had gone wrong. And we later found, I later deconstructed and we had mismeasured. Uh, like two ingredients and I won't bore everybody with what happened, but the concept is we had no dessert. It was an absolute failure. Um, now, this is where when people say, you know, I, I talk to people who like, oh, I want to be a culinary instructor too. And I'm like, get in restaurants, work in restaurants first. You need a restaurant background to do what it is that I do. And the reason for this is what I did when I realized the dessert was a complete failure, I went right into their fridge. Cause I mean, I didn't bring, I brought what we needed. I went right in their fridge. And I started pulling things out of the fridge and on the fly, I made a new dessert for them. I did a, uh, I did a cinnamon roast, cinnamon and butter roasted apples in parchment paper. Uh, you know, so these little envelopes of uh, sliced apples with cinnamon, brown sugar, butter. It roasted away in those little pouches. We opened it up. They had some ice cream in the freezer and we plopped it on and it, it fit the theme of the event. Hmm. But if I had never been in restaurants and knew how to work under the stress of failure because uh, that is what restaurants is really all about. I never would have been able to have pulled that off. So I, I do try to teach people that uh, those, yeah, I'm not a restaurant chef anymore, but that restaurant time was invaluable in knowing how to save myself because when a failure happens in my line of work, I can't run to the walk in and grab some other food and try again. I, I brought what I brought and I'm out. And so mm. we got to make something up and we got to go fast and figure it out. Uh, that was that's that that one stands out in my head. When we opened that oven door, I mean, it was just like oh, god kind of moment for me that I'll never forget.
0: So putting your skills to the extreme test under pressure. This is equating back to what I teach a lot of my students of what we talk about about making changes and things we do stick on the golf course when it matters for score. What you, mm-hmm. what you said there is exactly what we talked about all the time. So really the best test you can get is to put it, you know, put your skills under fire, right? No pun intended, yeah. I guess. And, yeah. and just get in there <laughs> and try and fail.
1: Hey, I, yeah. I seem to remember it was at your house. I think the first class I did at your house, you guys, you, we were all having fun. And then you said, Hey, how about a dessert? And I hadn't brought anything for dessert that That's, wasn't on that menu. And we made that thing with the pretzels, the mini marshmallows, the chocolate. And then at the end, I was like, Hey, do you have any mints? And you're like, I have Altoids. I'm like, perfect. And we crumbled Altoids over the top of it. And I was yeah. there, there's, you know, and we had a great dessert with that. It uh, that was a ton of fun. I still remember yeah. that one. That was, a that wasn't because yeah. of a failure, but I remembered that, that adaptation, let's just do something on the fly and have fun.
0: Yeah, I was going to bring you, that up for actually, those of you at yeah, home. Yeah, that, I never read that, was, wrote that uh, recipe. Down.
1: <laughs>
0: <example>. <laughs> no, but we remember that one fondly for sure. So when when you're me teaching too. your cooking classes, too, yeah, and when you're teaching your your cooking classes, is it uh, is it important to you? Because this this interests me maybe on my personal level in terms of teaching people, but um, to teach people in stages slowly and build up. Um, you know, cause I think sometimes people want to rush to, um, mm-hmm. you know, make bigger swings, do, do the advanced stuff first without having yeah. some of the basics, fundamentals, whatever term you want to use. Mm-hmm. Do you believe in stages and working up slowly and building skill that way?
1: Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I am without question, a person who believes that you have to have a basis in the fundamentals, And that then gives you the ability to uh, experiment. And you know, when we were talking about working within those parameters of you know acceptability, you have to know what those parameters are. That's what I consider to be the fundamentals. Uh, You know, it's you have to start with everyone's. When when people contact me, they're like, you know, I really, I want to have a cooking class because I don't know anything about cooking. I'm just starting out and I want to start at the beginning, where should I begin? My answer is always, okay, let's do knife skills. Let's just, let's get a knife. Let's get a cutting board. Mm-hmm. Let's get a ton of food and let's learn how to cut it all because knife skills is going to make make things go faster. It's going to make things go safer and it is going to build your confidence like there's no tomorrow. When you know how to cut anything, you are a confident chef. I mean it. It's, it's amazing what that'll do to that level. And then we can go from there. And we can start talking about the basics of roasting and the basics of sautéing and, you know, applying heat to food. But once you have those fundamentals down, suddenly recipes won't scare you anymore because you'll be confident enough to know when, you know, however anyone writes this recipe, when they say to dice that onion, man, you know what you're doing. You got that. You're you're good. All right, fine. And I, I no longer have to stress about that moment of this dish. And when all that prep is done, you'll find that there's just a few little details that you have to put together on your own when you tackle any given recipe and you'll be set, but you got to learn those fundamentals. So as to not be, uh, stymied by any sort of, uh, experience that comes your way, um, you know, you may not have every technique down right off the bat, but you'll have a sense of what to do.
0: So switching, just switching gears for a second, we've, we sort of touched on this earlier about the career pivot and everything, but I'm mm-hmm. always interested to ask successful people about risk and you know how much risk are you willing to take you know in in your business and obviously you took a big risk already we talked about that earlier but you know is it necessary for somebody who wants to be successful to be somebody who's willing to take risk uh or is it is it a situation where you know if you're you know hands off hands up risk averse person are you ever really going to be as successful as you could be i'm just curious
1: kind of your thoughts That's wow. That's a really good question. I, you definitely have to take some risks uh, if you're going to be starting your own business. I mean, because ultimately it's, it's going to fall back on you. You know, who are you going to blame? If I, if I don't get jobs and I'm not booking and I'm not doing a good job when I'm out there, you know, I got no one to blame, but myself, I'm my only employee. Uh, So, you know, I'm taking the risk that I need to make sure that I'm getting this job done and doing everything that needs to be done. Now, that being said, I'm not taking crazy risks when I do this. I mean, I know I have uh, an aptitude for cooking. I know I have an aptitude for teaching. Uh, I'm blessed with the gift of gab. So I can go on forever in a way that makes me at least entertaining to myself. And I try to say like, this is something that's meant for me. And the fact that I love what I do makes me believe that I'm doing the right thing. And the fact that people are paying me to do it, Again, makes me feel like this is this is working out. So I don't feel like I'm anymore taking enormous risks. Um so I guess I guess when I think about this job, when I think about like being a person who's going to be a success for themselves like this, I always think back that the real thing that someone needs isn't as much uh, an ability to take risks as uh, self-motivation is really the thing that always comes to me. Is you have to be able to get up every day and say this job has to be done this is what needs to be done today and i'm not going to sit down and watch tv i'm not going to procrastinate i'm not going to put off. i'm just going to get up and i'm going to get to work and that to me is the key to success is that you know in this kind of you know as the sole you know uh proprietor kind of uh, model it's to me every day it's like i am easily self-motivated i don't need any outside person pushing me forward i just i love what i do i'm ready to get up i'm ready to get to work and do whatever it takes to get it done and that's that to me is what i feel is the is the real driving factor so and
0: this is a, a general question but one that i'm i'm definitely going to be asking a lot and that is you what is your definition of success and do you feel like you've gotten there yet
1: okay wow well, <laughs> that's you a, didn't know you're that is a huge question right? that's a answer enormous. it any way you um, want to okay i I define success, Um, you know, my father said something to me when I was young that has always stuck with me. That is, you know, there's nothing sadder than a person who gets up every day and goes to a job they hate. Okay. It's, that's, that's torture. Uh, You get up every single day and you're like, God, this, this sucks. And that's your life. I mean, that, what you do defines who you are. It defines your life. If you hate your job, I tell people, get out. I just get out. You know what happens next? Yeah, it seems like a risk, but I promise you. I mean, this is like it's the um, well, it's the parable of the burning house. You know, if there's a guy with a sitting in a house that's on fire, and someone comes in is like, "Hey, man, you got to get out of this house. It's on fire." And they're like, "Well, yeah, but I don't know what's outside this house." Well, the answer to that is the worst thing that's outside this burning house is another burning house, man. So <laughs> just get out. You know, if you're in a job that's horrid and you hate it, get out because something else will come along do something you like with your life. That's a big part of what success is. You're doing something that you like and success is when you're doing something that you love and you are earning a living where you are perfectly comfortable within those parameters of living I am I ever going to be uh, am I ever going to have my own food network show? no as my very first uh, culinary instructor in uh, culinary school said he like he went he's like everyone look at me. I'm 65 years old. I've been smoking two packs a day for the past 30 years. I am 5'6", and I weigh 250 pounds. I am more likely to be drafted as the starting center for the Chicago Bulls tomorrow than you are of ever getting a show on the Food Network. (laughs) Let's all be crystal clear about that point right now, you aspiring uh, chefs. And he's right. Uh, And that's fine. So will I ever be rich and famous and on the Food Network and all of that? No, I will never be those things. Does that make me a failure? Absolutely not. Because if you set your goal that high that that's the only way to measure success, you're gonna you'll never get out. You'll never do step one. You'll never get self motivated because it'll it's just an impossible mountain to climb. If I measure success, that I am happy, I'm I love what I do. I make a comfortable living off of it, and every day I wake up and I say, I cannot wait to get to work because I love this. To me, that's success.
0: That's, that's, well, it's a great answer. I love, I I love a lot of that stuff. And I certainly, um, from my own perspective, uh, feel a lot of those uh, answers, uh, particularly. So really, really true. So for you, what, what do you see next uh, for you? I mean, are are you where you want to be? Is there, I mean, you're obviously very happy with what you do and you, you Mm -hmm. have a lot of joy in it, Matt, but is there, you know, What's next for you? Is there something above where you are now that you'd like to be able to do?
1: Well, I, okay. As far as the, you know, once this uh, quarantine's over for sure, I would, I can't wait to get back into it. Um, I would love to, I would love to be able to write some more books. I wrote one cookbook, uh, early on just to, for the experience of it. And I've got like three or four more book ideas in me that I would love to have the opportunity to, uh, work on. Um, my, my daughter is young and she needs homeschooling and entertainment during this quarantine. So, you know, this is not the time for me to be applying pen to paper for, uh, for a book right now, but someday I think that is something I would really like to, uh, expound upon. Um, I'm looking to start a YouTube series about, uh, some cooking lessons, uh, you know, expounding on the things that I see people, the, the common mistakes that people make when they're getting, starting cooking and showing people a way to apply that and, you know, spreading my, my style of cooking to more people that way. And, um, Oh, and of course, I, as I touched on earlier, I, I am starting a, a small spice company and that could be a lot of fun to, uh, you know, having my own company to, uh, mail out spices to people, uh, for use in pressure cookers. I, I think that's a lot of fun to have like a source side business, uh, that, you know, and I get to be creative. I'm the, I'm the recipe consultant guy for that. And to expand that is a ton of fun. So, you know, I've got, I've got ideas. I got, you know, I got, uh, spoons in many pots as it were, hmm. but it's, uh, you know, it, 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 ultimately, the teaching is where it is. It's it's uh, about as much as I can handle, uh, you know, when I'm able to leave the house. And I don't see that expanding and growing in any huge way. But that's fine because I absolutely I'm busy with it and I love it.
0: So, uh, you know, along the way, as you've been doing this, as long as you've been doing it, everybody seems to be able to point back somewhere along the way maybe where one or two lessons were learned that were truly impactful maybe in what they do and uh, how they conduct their business um is there any lesson you've learned along the way from people you've worked with for uh learned from that maybe has stuck with you that has really made an impact on what you do on a day-to-day basis
1: sure i think that the lesson of um when I had to be a food manager in a restaurant, the, the lesson of food costing and you know hitting your marks for your costing is a is it's the part of every restaurant that is the most important thing to learn. It is an entire class that you take in culinary school is on food costing. And when I was taking it, I'm like, you know, I've always good. I was always good at math, and I'm like, I don't see why they need to devote a whole class to this. Uh, you know, it seems like a, a part of what we do. And then once I was finally given that role in a restaurant it was it was it was mind bending it was eye opening to the cord like to have every single dish hit the price points that it needs to hit so that the overall functioning of the restaurant works that experience in day to day costing uh, in a restaurant and in several restaurants after that and then in this business where i'm tracking my costs against every everything you know and utilizing all the ingredients in ways that is most cost effective. It's what keeps me in business. Uh, The lessons of uh, food costing and the math that goes into it is huge. You wouldn't, you you know, when I tell people about math and cooking, they're like, oh yeah, because you got to convert ounces to grams and you got to know the difference between eighth of a cup and this. I'm like, yeah, that's important, but there is a lot more math in this job than you would think. And it is, it's a really, it was a really good lesson to learn early on that, uh, you know, watching your costs, um, you know, that, that is something that has been driven home to me every step of the way. And it's, it's fascinating how razor thin restaurants work as a margin. When, when this coronavirus thing broke out and I was like, oh, some restaurants will be closed for a week. when that's what they were first saying, when it came out, like one week closed can bury a lot of restaurants Mm -hmm. and now it's months. And I, I, there's a reason restaurants are closing down left and right, because that this, their margins were thin already. And now look at them. I mean, this, that's, this is a, this is torture on them. And I'm, you know, I, I feel for them really deeply.
0: What have you learned about, because, you know, in your business, as in mine, it's a, it's a people driven business. What, what have you learned about people through your work? You know, mm. you've met a lot of interesting people. You've been in people's homes. You've been in restaurants. Like you've probably sure. touched all the bases uh, on all kinds of fronts and meeting <laughs> people. What What have you learned about people? I'm curious yeah. about that. Uh,
1: that's, man, you ask really big questions. <laughs> this is cool. Uh, okay. I think. Okay one of the things that when you're in restaurants you get to see across you get to see the entire cross section of humanity you see the really cool people and you see the total jerks i mean the the stories of the the jerks in restaurants they're there it's real and it's it's awful and then people say to me they're like well what a, have you ever Come in, come into a household because I'm coming into your house for the first time. I mean, I I, I tell people I've, I'm always so excited about my job because it's predicated on the willingness of people to invite a stranger into their house carrying knives. And, <laughs> and I've I've never been. I, I'm so honored when a, they allow me, a total stranger with a box full of knives, to walk into their house. Um, And they say, "Well, have you ever walked in and you know someone there's like a total jerk?" Uh, and I say, "No, this is the weirdest thing." The the job that I have is the people self-select. Jerks wouldn't hire me because they don't want a stranger with knives to come into their house and upstage them in their own kitchen. Uh, so the people who hire me, they're all good people. <laughs> it's, I've gotten, that's the other part of the job that I love. I love meeting all these different people. And yes, I'm in DC. I cook for Republicans. I cook for Democrats. I've, I've cooked for Supreme Court justices. I've cooked for senators I, of both sides. And you know what? They're all good people. Every last one of them, anyone who's hired me, I do not, I cannot name a single person who's hired me who I'd say this person is a bad person. Um, there are people I like more than others just because we meld as friends and we get along, and it's really something extra special. But everyone I've hired, I, I cannot not remember leaving a house and being like, "Oh man, those people were terrible." It just doesn't happen to me uh, because the nature of the business is that people are really good when they want something like what I'm offering. And I've learned that so many people can be so incredibly welcoming. Uh, and it it restores my faith in humanity really that I can go into homes and see how welcoming and friendly people can be. And then we all get to eat together and have a great time.
0: Yeah. It's so it's, uh, that's well said Matt because i think it's i've said it many times you know it's never lost on me that people pay me their hard-earned money to teach them how to play golf right and it's like mm-hmm. let's be thankful for what we get to do every day and, and i'm <laughs> lucky that you know i get to teach really good people and as you say it's kind of like you know the jerk uh won't come take a lesson for me it's you know i just seem to get really good people and i'm super lucky um in that yeah. respect and you know it's we're blessed to be able to do, do what we do, and, you know, and to that end too, I mean, we were talking about people, you know, we're in this weird quarantine social distancing time, I guess, you know, one question, because especially knowing you as a, as a, you know, I feel like people to you are kind of like the sun to Superman. Like, you know, that's where he draws his strength. And <laughs> for you, I, I, I certainly seen that. I mean, it's a pretty uncertain, uncertain time right now um, with COVID-19 and the social distancing and all that. I mean, mm-hmm how, how has it currently impacted your work? Because your business is all about people and, and being together. And it's yeah. right now we're not
1: right. It's my business is zero Uh, to be honest with you. uh, It's I am every job that I had and I was having a record year before this all hit. Uh, It is, it's dried up. I'm doing nothing. Uh, I, well, I mean, I'm homeschooling my daughter and I do the housework and I take care of the home and, you know, cook for the family and keep things running. But yeah, I mean, my job is based on loading up a truck with food and going into someone else's house. And I ain't doing that. Uh, I've got family members who are immunocompromised right now. And I know I'm not leaving the house. Uh, I leave to go grocery shopping. and I try to do that. And this is funny. I try to go to like one or two stores less than once a week. And I used to shop at four or five grocery stores every day before yeah. this all hit. Cause that, that's the style of uh, making sure I'm getting all the right foods. So I mean, it's an enormous change for me, and and yes, I'm an extrovert with a capital E. Uh, <laughs> I I draw energy from human interaction, and I have none of it. I I have nothing, and uh, you know I have my family, and thank God they're here. You know, if I was if I was single and alone, I would absolutely be climbing the walls. So it's this is this has been incredibly. or Thankfully, my wife has a job uh, where she's working uh, from home, and you know, financially, we're going to get through this. But yeah, my business is. Completely dried up uh, right now. There is there is pretty much nothing. I'm doing a few uh, online cooking demos and like Zoom meeting cooking things here and there. You know, just for a little bit of money here, a little bit of money there. But you know, it's that's quite frankly, I'm, I'm not as interested in the money that comes from that right now. as just keeping my skills sharp. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that ability to keep in front of a group, show them how to do something answer questions on the fly, talk and cook at the same time. I mean, these are skill sets that I developed over many years. And if I sit around for six months, not doing them, you know, I would hate to see what I'm like when I go back into it. So I, I view these opportunities to teach these classes uh, via camera more as just like a training thing. And so I'm not, I'm not doing them for a ton of money and I don't care. I just want to be in front of people and be cooking. That's, that's what I want to do more than anything.
0: Do you feel like there's gonna be a permanent change in how you operate with your clients?
1: I hope not. Um, yeah. You know, the the nature of the job, I loved it the way I had it. Um, I think that, you know, people are definitely going to be washing their hands more in classes and that's good, I uh, you know, cause that's the first thing I do when I walk into anyone's house is I wash my hands and uh, before they get cooking, I'm like, hey, let's all wash our hands, you know, let's just do that. And I think that I won't have to say that as much or explain that as much, uh, so that's cool. But I'm hoping that when this is all said and done, that you know, obviously, I don't think society will return to normal as it was before. It there will be changes to society, but as far as my business is concerned, I, I'm hoping it sort of goes back to the way it was. Um, you know, I come over, we all have a good time, we all enjoy the evening together. Um, we just do it as cleanly as possible. Have people really be on top of that, and that's good. Uh, but otherwise, I'm hoping that as far as my little corner of the world is concerned um no it just goes back to normal
0: so you've been doing this for for a while Matt and and you know i've been lucky enough in my industry to be around uh some really good uh golf coaches and mm-hmm. i find that some of the best in our industry are still people who want to go out and find out more answers uh have a drive to sort of get better they're always got this kind of thing nagging them like i got to get better i want to learn more or in mm-hmm. some way. So for you, I mean, where do you go to get better at what you do for improvement? You know, you've been doing this a while, so what what sources do you go to for better or new information or to see different things?
1: I have a uh, I'm I'm lucky I have a lot of very good chef friends and I see them doing things online all the time. I mean, we post, we talk, we share, uh, photos, you know, Instagram and Facebook and so forth is where people share their ideas and their, their things. And when I see something that they've done that is totally innovative, I'm always like, Hey, give me that recipe. Tell me what is that for? Uh, how does that work? And they, they are always very generous to give to me as I am to them. I'm always willing to share my new ideas and, uh, and so forth, and so it's it's an online network because I don't work in kitchens anymore, and I gleaned as much as I could from all the chefs that I worked in there it's now it's a it's a very virtual network that we have of uh, sharing new tips and tricks and so forth. And of course, I'm constantly reading. Uh, I read cooking magazines and cookbooks the way most people read novels. I just sit down with a book, a cookbook, and I just start flipping through. And I'm like, oh yeah, I would have done that. Or, oh yeah, it's, you know. And so, I mean, I have a cookbook collection that uh, takes up a small room of my house. And I'm always flipping through when I think of like, when I see a recipe, let's say I see a recipe in the food section of the post. I'm like, oh, you know, that recipe for bagels looks interesting. I will immediately go to all my cookbooks and I'll find every bagel recipe I can find across all my books. And then I'll start experimenting, like taking, like I like the way they did this in this recipe. And I like the way they did that in that recipe. And then I'll start trying to amalgamate my own version of bagels. And then I'll say, hey, you know what? I got that chef friend. He's from New York. Hey, uh, you know, uh, Paul, do you have a cool bagel recipe or any tricks about bagels that you know? Then he'll send me something. I'll try to work that in. And that's how I build recipes. And that's how I keep learning and expanding for myself. I want the recipe ultimately to be mine, but, Ideas and inspiration come from anywhere—magazines, online articles, uh, those those weird tasty videos that you see. Uh, sometimes I've seen them. I'm like, "Oh, hey, that's kind of interesting what they're doing. Let's let's play around with what they're thinking of." And inspiration can come from anywhere. But then it's ultimately the thing that pushes me to start experimenting and playing around.
0: Okay, so you you are given one dish that you can make. What's it going to be, Matt?
1: for the rest of my life or for
0: just, uh, you know, just, you gotta, just... I, I, I put a gun to your head or I, I put a, a, you know, a large st- stack of cash on the table and say, you got to pick one dish. What is it? And I give you like, you know, a, well, I'm not giving you a minute to do it now, but I'm going to give oh, you yeah, but my goodness. <laughs> I, I'm going to give you a quick decision. You got to pick one and you got to make Man, it for the all thing the thing that cash. almost
1: always jumps to my head when people, when, yeah. When people say like, you know, what's the dish, what's the thing you want to be making. God, there are two. There are two that always jump to my head every time. One of them is uh, spaghetti carbonara. Uh, it is, you know, one of the three quintessential sauces of Roman cooking, and it is just an absolute favorite of mine. I love making a good carbonara, and it just always jumps to my head when I think like, "Gotta make something good. Gotta make something I'm gonna love. Gotta make something that I know everyone else is gonna love." That that always hits. And then the other one just is duck confit. Now that takes a few days to make, but Well worth it. Uh, It is, um, it would be one of the components of a final meal for myself. If, uh, if for some reason I had to select that Um, it is those two dishes, just man, those are just absolute favorites. And then if it had to be a cocktail, I'd throw in a Negroni. Oh, there you go. (laughs) Okay. So, you know,
0: because this is near a dear to my heart, what is it that you love about teaching other people?
1: Oh, without question. It's, Remember when I said those light bulb moments, I want to give everyone a light bulb moment. The reason I want to give everyone one of those is because that's what I live for. I live for those moments when people's eyes brighten. They may not say anything out loud, but I can see it in their eyes that I have given them something that they will always hold on to as far as cooking is concerned. That I have shown them, I have enlightened, I have have shared something that just makes them a little better at cooking and I, I I live for those those tiny little moments I mean sure the fun and the jokes and the all of the presentation hey look at me yeah you know, that's that's mm-hmm. all fun but the knowing that I did something that will make them better and that they've earned I've earned my money for that class at that moment that's that's what I live for that I, I adore that and it, it fuels me it keeps me it keeps me going every day knowing that I'm gonna give some people that moment. Perfectly said,
0: perfectly said. Mm-hmm. All right. So Matt, uh, before we, uh, before we finish up here, uh, I want to briefly just, I want you to let everybody know where they can find you, but you oh, mentioned, sure. you mentioned the spices before too, mm-hmm. and I want you to mention that as well first
1: here. Sure. Okay. So the spices company, uh, I started with a, a friend of mine. We are building spice packets specifically designed for your pressure cooker. Uh, the Instant Pot is actually the real uh, motivation behind that. If you're an Instant Pot fanatic, and I know there's many of you out there who are, what, we've de- what we designed was recipes and all the spices needed for that recipe in one simple pack. You, you get the packs, it's got all the spices you need, and it's got the recipe on the back. And for the most part, You just dump all the spices in, you dump in the food you need, we tell you how to pressure cook it, and boom, you have a nice big meal all set to go. And you don't have to have tons of tiny little bottles of spices that you're only using a little bit of, and they're growing old inside your spice cabinet. Hmm. These are all fresh, they're blended right, and balanced right, and recipes by yours truly. Um, And that's Ani Spices, spices A-N-I-Spices.com is where you can find our mix. And uh, I think we have 10 packets, uh, 10 recipes, 10 different spice packs up. And I am currently working in the kitchen on five more. So we're always growing and developing new cool recipes like uh, you know beef and bean chili, a uh, uh, nice uh, spiced pot roast, uh, butter chicken. So all different types of uh, cuisines, all different types of proteins, uh, making sure there's vegetarian stuff. I got it. I'm married to a vegetarian and my brother's a vegetarian. So I'm making sure there's vegetarian options too. And, uh, you know, it's a great collection. If you are a instant pot or pressure cooker fan, head on over, check it out. Give us a try. Cause I think you'll be really happy with it.
0: And then Matt, what's the, for website and social media stuff too, because you know, I want people oh, sure. to be able to find you too. get, oh. get give us a hit there.
1: No problem. Uh, so to find my, uh, cooking business, uh, my cooking instruction business, that is, uh, that's finarelli.com. It's spelled just like my last name. So that's F I N A R E L L I.com. And, uh, they'll just take you right to my page and it has all of my cooking classes and how to contact me. And the, the easiest way to get in touch with me is just send me an email. Um, chef at finarelli.com and Say hey, I'm interested in something, and I, I work the DC area, the whole greater DC area. So you know Maryland, Virginia, uh, DC, the whole whole area. I have car, will travel. So um, just hit me up, and we'll put something together uh, when all this craziness ends. And like I say, I bring everything. I bring all the food. I bring all the equipment. I bring a copy of all the recipes for everyone. All you need to do is have a uh, clean and cleared kitchen and I'll take care of the rest and I'll clean up afterwards too. So it'll be like I was never there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it, that's, that is the best way to uh, find me. And on social media, I'm mostly on Facebook and uh, Instagram uh, at chef Finarelli or chef Matt Finarelli. Um, you know, if quite <laughs> you search my last name uh, on there, you'll find a chef, you find a chef and a Finarelli anywhere on those things. That's me. Uh, I promise you that's me.
0: (laughs) Perfect. Well, Matt, uh, I really appreciate you taking some time out of your day uh, doing dad duty and husband duty, which Mm -hmm. I am, I am very well versed in these days. (laughs) Um, I certainly, (laughs) you know, I certainly look forward to the day where we can, uh, you know, have you get back into everybody's homes and bring more joy back in. We can't wait to have you back into ours to bring some, some cooking joy back in and have our crew back together. So, uh, thanks again for for doing this with it, with me, and uh, we look forward to to seeing you soon here, man. Take care of yourself. Oh,
1: thank you so much, Mark. It was been an absolute pleasure, and likewise, I cannot wait to uh, get back cooking with uh, everyone, and especially y'all. I would it'll be a pleasure to see you all again in person sometime. Absolutely,
0: man. We will look forward to it. Talk to you soon. Absolutely, take care. Thank Matt Finarelli for joining us on the Driving Improvement Podcast today. If you really want to stoke the fire of your cooking passion, there really is nobody better than Matt. Uh, it's very clear from talking to him that he loves cooking, but I think he may love people more than cooking. And at its heart, coaching and teaching are all about the people and the people in front of you. And as he said, giving them that light bulb moment. The other thing I wanted you to take away from him is his incredible work ethic get up and get to work that's what he said and i think that's a great way to look at it If you want to get better at your golf game or anything you've got to get in there you got to have passion and you got to get to work i hope you enjoyed it and we'll see you on the next episode of the driving improvement podcast with mark russo